Hey everyone, we're so glad that you are joining us for our third installment, yeah, third, third Q&A, yeah. our third yeah. Q&A. Mm -hmm. um, my name is Josh, I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm here with Dave Sanders, uh, who is the lead pastor. Dave, how are you doing? You know what, I'm doing well this morning, enjoying this beautiful June weather here oh, in early October. I love it. Yeah, it's it, great. It is my favorite, it reminds me of South Carolina. <laughs> I love the warmth, no snow, I can't get much better than that, so... Well, again, we're so glad that all of you guys are joining us. We're going to be going through all the questions that you guys submitted um, on our Submit a Question tab on our website, which is my3c.org. Um, these are all the questions up until Wednesday at, like, what would you say, 7 a.m. is kind of, so if it, that's when we took yeah, all the questions probably about right. that were submitted. So if you submitted them after that, we won't have them, but we will address them on a future Q&A. Dave? In, in some what? way, we in some way, we'll try to get to everything. Yeah. For sure. There's, there's just so many that can get in the backlog that we're just kind of brainstorming how to best be yep. able to do it, but we'll, we'll find a way. For sure. Yeah, we'll be moving around. Um, so if your question was submitted very early, it might not be the first one we address. But if it, again, if it was in there by Wednesday at this morning at 7 a.m., we'll be talking about it today. So let's go ahead and let's hop into let's it. Let's hop right ready? in, Josh. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> so chromosomes are the basis of our genetics. How do we reconcile chromosome variations and their potential impacts with someone accepting hmm. themselves as God designed them? Everyone must have an X chromosome, but we know some people have an extra X or Y or no Y, XXY, XYY, or XO, etc. If there are variants cause uncertainty in someone's perception of themselves, I'm having problems telling them they should quote unquote be a certain way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's good. Uh, first, I would say that um, when it comes to genetics, you can't tell someone what they should be. Uh, genetics are utterly outside of everybody's control, so we shouldn't be a certain way genetically. So, um, so let's just state that right up, uh, right up front. Um, the the issue that's being referred to here um, is is the um, is what's known as intersex condition. Um, Intersex is defined as a sexual development disorder. It's a, it's, a, it's a biological sexual development disorder. And in essence, as it was very well spelled out um, in this question, um, everybody has an X, but what you might end up having is you might have two X's or three or four X's. You could have multiple ones, or you're like even, you've got an X, but then you're missing either an the other X or a Y chromosome, yeah. okay? So it's a genetic condition um, where there's, there's something in the, in the XY that is, 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 is not the way that it, it normally happens with people. Mm -hmm. So that's what's being referred to as intersex. And there's, um, there's probably several things that we should know. I, I certainly don't claim to be any sort of an expert in this area, um, but I've read enough on it to at least be converse it with the basic issues. Um, the, the first thing about um, intersex is that um, it affects, um, the, the biggest numbers I've heard are up to 1.7% of births. Um, and, and of that number, only 0.5, half a percent actually have any ambiguity regarding what what biological sex they actually are. There's like 16 different, as I recall properly, 16 different um, uh, variations of intersex. 
Um, but very few of those actually impact um, anatomy in the sense of being able to distinguish whether or not it's male or female. Um, what's also true is that intersex doesn't represent a third sex. Sometimes the, the notion that, that there are more genders than two, um, intersex gets used as a way to, uh, to try to genetically demonstrate that's true. But, but intersex is not a third sex. There's X, there's Y, and that's still all there is. Even if there's extra, it's still extra X. Uh, or if it's missing, it's missing an X, but still has an X on there. Uh, so it's not a third sex. Um, for the, that, there are actually people that are intersex and don't know it because there's not a significant impact um, on the reproductive system or on the anatomy. Uh, for those that um, there is some sort of sexual dysfunction, um, there, are, there are medical procedures that can help um, sadly not for everyone, but that can help. So when we, when we look at, at this and then we look at the 0.5% of those with intersex where there's true ambiguity, this is the most emotionally difficult and traumatic thing. And it's difficult because decisions get made as to, since there's no clear distinction on what sex I am how does one want to move forward? Um, oftentimes, people decide to identify as one sex or the other. Um, other times, they don't. Sometimes, the decision is put off until they get older to see if there are any biological changes. Um, but it is a very traumatic, very emotional, very difficult. We should sympathize greatly with this, with this unfortunate condition. Um, and it's a deeply personal decision on what the very few people that fall into that category actually opt to do. And they should be supported in it completely, whether they do something, whether they do nothing. Um, and, and just because on it, the, 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 the questioner asked this, um, uh, how does this impact accepting themselves as God designed them? Because here's, here's a theological debate, if you will. And that is, are genetic abnormalities, are they just the result of the fact that we live in a fallen world and we're broken people, things go wrong, and sometimes physical things go wrong with people? Or is this somehow a part of God's actual design for that particular person? Uh, and those are tough questions. Yeah. Those are really tough questions. What I do is, is I go, I go back to passages of scripture, like John chapter nine In John chapter nine is a fascinating story, um, where Jesus and the disciples are in Jerusalem. They're there observing a big festival. Um, and they happen to walk, walk by someone who's born blind. And the disciples asked Jesus a question that was a recurring theological debate amongst first century, the first century community of faith. And that question was phrased this way. So who sinned to cause this blindness to happen? Was it him or was it his parents? Now, that's, that's a loaded question, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, because it says somebody has to be morally culpable, either God punished the kid because the parents did something wrong or, or because the person was born blind, did they sin in utero? I mean, when did the sin transpire? And what I, what I love about Jesus' response is the first is, first of all, he took it out of the realm of theoretical and focused on the fact, this is a human being, not an issue. And that is so important for That's us good. to try our best to factor in. We're not just talking about issues. We're talking about human beings that matter. Then Jesus made this statement. He said, it was neither his parents or him that caused this condition, but it exists for the glory of God. And then what Jesus ended up doing is, is Jesus ended up affecting a healing. But that is so instructive that in this abnormal condition, Jesus didn't go say, I caused that. I made that. Jesus didn't go, oh gosh, it's just too bad. Sometimes that happened in a fallen world. He went, he, he actually went right around that and addressed both of them by saying, regardless as to the reason, the intent behind this is that God is going to glorify himself. And so I think recognizing that even in genetic abnormalities and the hardship and emotional difficulty that that can bring, that God would only allow such a condition to exist if it were not his intent to glorify himself through it. And just to clarify, whatever glorifies God is good for people. The two go hand in hand. It's not like people's expense at God's glory. Mm. Um, God is going, I want to demonstrate my goodness and my power and who I am through this abnormality and difficulty. So whenever we're impacted by anything like this, rather than focusing in on uh, the issue or what is the theological nuance, it's like, this is a person and God's going to glorify himself. Mm. I have a mentally handicapped sister-in-law who lives with me. God has glorified himself through her and her impact on countless people. There are so many things I've learned about God and myself. There are so many people that have been blessed because of who she is. Now, the day will come when she will be fully restored in God's sight completely, yeah. right? And that is so beautiful, and that is one of the hopes uh, that every Christian has. But God has done immeasurable good. You could make an argument that her family's redemption was because of the impact of her being a part of the family. So uh, God always wants to glorify himself, though. so there is purpose behind even genetic abnormalities that happen in, in, the, in the lives of human beings. Mm. That, was, that was a great response to that question. Uh, it's, I, I, I hope it reflects God's hearts and God's ways. I think it does. Well, from, so. from where I'm sitting, I think it does. Now, um, I will take the time to remind you if that was like, oh man, that was overwhelming or you need to rewind, you can. You are able to go back. You can scoot the live stream back or after whenever it's just a video, you can rewind back and be able to hear exactly um, what Dave said again. So Dave, thank you. Or, get, or get a hold of me and I'll try to answer it better than I did that time. <laughs> I think that it was a pretty good job. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next question. Yeah. 
How should we handle a situation where someone expects us to use their preferred pronouns? I feel we are being asked to lie in order to make them feel better. Yeah, this is this is a this is a very common question, yeah. right? Uh, that it comes up. I'm going to put this in the same category as the question we answered last week about should I attend a, a gay wedding, and I'm going to say that. Very good, very sincere, very Bible-committed Christians differ on where they fall on this issue, okay? Um, if, if I could give a brief summary of, of, of the two positions. The, though, so, some are similar to this one right here. Um, I'm assuming the position here that, um, that if, if I use preferred, preferred pronouns, what I'm doing is I'm not, I am not, reflecting reality that I am participating with a, a delusion that a person has regarding who they actually are. And I don't want to, I don't want to participate in that, uh, that these people would say, I'm actually misgendering them if I don't use their actual biological gender. Then there are those who would say, you know, in an effort to not offend in order to build bridges, um, I will go ahead and use their preferred pronouns because I, I want to try to make a connection with, yeah. with, with people. So it's like, I, I understand there are merits on both sides of those equations. Um, I think it's important for us to make a distinction between a person's name and a person's pronoun. And, and, and here's why I think this is important. Um, names don't... Names are a matter of, 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 um, of like, they don't identify who a person is. They are, they don't speak to identity. They are names, they, they're, just, they're names that we assign to people, all right? A, a analogy might help. Um, we look at um, a stoplight and we go, well, red means stop and green means go. Right and yellow means gun it, so <laughs> you know we we just but, but d does red actually convey the 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 concept of stop? No, we we assign that to the color. It doesn't inherently mean it. Yeah. Green doesn't inherently mean go. We could have said yellow means go. You know, uh, red means caution and green means stop. We could have done that. Names are like that. Um. But pronouns are different because pronouns are going to speak to a person's objective identity. That's what pronouns are, were, were designed to do. Um, so where I personally fall on the spectrum is I don't use a person's preferred pronouns. Um, I because I, 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 I believe that at that juncture, what I'm doing is I am affirming something as being real that's not. That's, this is not meant to be. This is what everybody should do. Yep. This is me. Because to me, this, is, this, this conforming to reality matters. So I don't. But I go out of my way. I mean, big time, not to use pronouns when I'm having a conversation. I don't want to inflame. Yeah. And normally when we're using pronouns, we're not talking to someone. You know, I don't look at you and go, he said what? Well, that would mean somebody else, right? Yeah. When we're talking, we use names. Yeah. 
I'll use whatever name a person decides they want to go by. I understand that some parents who have given a child a name, that child changes their name. It's very emotionally traumatic. They choose to use the given name. Uh, I get that. But I, I use the name that the person has opted if they've opted to change their name. But pronouns are something I, I just, I don't feel comfortable using because I, I don't want to affirm something that I don't believe conforms to reality. But I avoid using it all possible because I don't want to give un, any unnecessary offense. Good answer. Good answer. I don't, that, it's a tough that, question. That, and you know, if you disagree with question. me, totally cool. I get, I get why you do it. And I, yeah. I, I wouldn't quibble about it at all. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, let's move on. Let's let's talk about bathrooms. Yeah, because of course, bathrooms are are a very big, yeah, they are topic and and place of debate. Whenever mm-hmm. you when we talk about these types yes. of things, um, let's do. Let's do this one. We'll start with First this. of all, I love that segue. Let's, Let's talk bathrooms. Let's talk bathrooms. <laughs> Let's talk bathrooms. I mean, this is this is something that we're constantly it, seeing. It is. Everyone, I mean, just a few years ago, the uh, NBA All-Star Game was moved out of a city yeah, because right. of about a bathroom that. policy yep. with all of this. So yep. this has very much been a thing that has been in our media since before COVID. Yeah. So this is a, yep, a big right. hop So let's do this one first. Okay. As we were saying, so much of the social argument today surrounding trans people is bathrooms. If a trans person, male or female, came to Connections and needed to use the bathroom, which bathroom should they use? Yeah, great question. Uh, Broadly speaking, to start with, uh, we want everyone, everyone, regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, Everyone, we want everyone to feel comfortable at connections and we want everyone to have a spiritual experience. I mean, really like hearing from, encountering, make a connection with God. That's everybody, no matter, doesn't matter, right? Um, as soon as we get into the bathroom issues, automatically we find ourselves in a situation where somebody's going to feel uncomfortable, and it's, it's unfortunate, but it's the way things are. So the we approach, you go, how is it that we can respect everyone and try to find some sort of solution, some type of policy or direction to try to be as accommodating of everyone involved in the situation? So um, there's a couple of, of like, like firm lines that we have um, that fall under this umbrella kind of viewpoint. The first is that we, we are not going to have a, a person who identifies as a gender other than their biological sex use their identified gender bathroom when other people are in there. What we're also not going to do is require somehow that a that a person who identifies as a gender other than their bio sex has to use the restroom of their biological sex. We're, we're trying to find a way to respect everybody in the process. So here are some solutions for us. Um, the first and simplest, 
um, is we have single use bathrooms in the multi-purpose room that either gender can go in there. It's, you're in there privately, not an issue at all. And that's the, that's the simplest way to avoid discomfort on anybody's part. And by the way, people use those every Sunday. So it's not like if you go in there, right, to use <laughs> it, it's do. like weird or odd because it's just totally not. They're available and, and they're available to everybody. If for some reason that were to be logistically impossible, if somehow that, that, that couldn't happen, then here's what we would do in an effort to try our best to respect everybody involved in the process. What we would do is we would, we would allow a person to be able to use the, the bathroom of the gender that they choose to identify with, but we would need to make sure that nobody is in there so that nobody else is made to feel uncomfortable. And we would also just monitor the door and have people just wait before they go in there to respect the privacy of the person in there. Is that a perfect solution? I, if, I, if I thought of a perfect solution, we would implement it. But it's our effort to balance everyone in the equation and try to respect everyone in the process and while not perfect it's the best that we can think of so it's it's how we would approach the subject now yeah yeah thank you for answering that what's uh let's add something to that okay so we have bathrooms let's talk about locker rooms okay yeah so we know at one of our local high schools um there there's a little incident going on with a student Mm -hmm. who who identifies biologically as a male, but they're allowed to use the girls' bathroom and the locker room. How should we go So they're, about- a, they're a biological male, but they identify as female. Yes. Okay. How should we go about dealing with this? Because, I mean, this is, this is on our own home turf. So how should we approach this whole situation, yeah. really? Yeah. Um, and when you're in a public space where a policy is instituted that forces you into place of personal discomfort, um, it's hard. Now, it's hard for everybody. It's hard for the transgendered community. It's hard for, you know, the non-transgender community. I mean, it's just, it's an uncomfortable, and I hate that that that's the way it is, but it's so. Um, Once you have advocated for some measure of relief, because it's appropriate to advocate for a measure of relief. Um, my, my child, in, in this case, is the scenario you gave, uh, is very uncomfortable being in a locker room with someone that's biologically male. I need some measure of relief for her. Um, so to advocate for relief, whether that be separate locker room times or whether that be a single-use place that a person can be able to change whatever the case may happen to be. So to advocate for that is totally legitimate. Now, please advocate like a Christian. Mm. Please don't be inflammatory, antagonistic, derogatory. Please don't advocate for what you desire um, and demonstrate some sort of diminishment of those that have a different viewpoint or those that are part of the transgendered community, show respect for everyone, but ask for fairness when it comes to the whole level of being made uncomfortable with where you have to change or where you have to use a locker room. And if you can't find relief there, then it is totally appropriate um, 
as as citizens of, of a school district to be able to vote for school board members, to be able to vote for policies that bring more equity, more fairness to this issue, considering the people that are made uncomfortable when this happens. Yeah. It's a tough issue, but it's totally fair to advocate for that. But to find a solution that also respects those who identify a different way or, or, or have a different um, uh, opinion on what the subject is. Um, and then it, if necessary, just don't have your daughter not use the locker room. I mean, I hate that it's there. I mean, I hate that this issue exists. I hate that that might be what you need to do. But I, I would say that if it's necessary, go, okay, you, you're, you're simply not going to use the locker room. We're going to have to find another place for you to be able to change or you have to shower when you get home. It's just the way that it would need to be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's go another step. Another step. Okay. Like it's not thorny yeah. enough. So this one, as I read it and everybody watching, you'll, you'll, you'll see uh, a why. This has a, a very deep personal connection on this one. Okay. Yeah. That I feel is very good for us to approach. Okay. Um, has a little bit of differences from this question. Okay. So let's just, let's just hop into it. Yeah, all right. It starts with, I am not offended if a man decides to wear women's clothes or vice versa, as long as it does not affect me or my family in a personal way. Mm. With that being said, how as a mature Christian do I show compassion, love, and not discriminate when a boy who feels they are a girl is in the girl's bathroom slash locker room gyrating and fondling themselves in front of my daughter. Yeah, that's, well, you were right. Talk about deeply personal yeah. and emotional. That's, that's that. Um, so first of all, I'm, I really feel sorry that this happened. Absolutely. Um, and, and I hope that the daughter is, is okay. Um, so that's, it, it's really, really unfortunate that, that that should happen. And quite frankly, just what's described here, taking at face value, um, even if you were in a locker room with all the same biological sex, that's inappropriate behavior. Yeah, for sure. Um, as, as I look at this, I, I, first of all, I love the question because I think it's the right question. And that is, how do, how, do I, how do I show compassion, love, and not discriminate? Mm. But let's, let's broaden it. How do you, how do you love everyone involved in this scenario how do you love your daughter how do you love anyone else that may have been in the locker room or restroom how do you how do you love the person that was the offender in this case um as described what you have is you have at a minimum the criminal offense of sexual harassment mm. according to um michigan.gov um, sexual harassment is defined as uh, doing or saying anything in, in an, an educational or housing or governmental environment that makes people feel sexually uncomfortable. This falls into that category. So I would say the first way, the first way to love would be um, seek justice. Justice and love always go hand in hand. They're not opposites. 
They're companions. In fact, the, the concept of justice only exists when you have love. With love, justice becomes a very important deal. And here is how seeking justice shows love for everyone. It would show love for this person's daughter by showing that you were right in feeling offended by what happened to you. There's nothing wrong with you because you felt that way. It would also show that um, she has enough worth and dignity that she is worth Mm -hmm. being fought over and protected and it sends a really good message of value by seeking justice. Oh, it's good for them. It's also good for anybody else, and I don't know that there was, but if there was anybody else in the locker room or restroom and for society as a whole, it's loving because what it does is it sends a message that this kind of behavior is unacceptable in culture. And we want to discourage anybody from acting in inappropriate ways like this. So it's, it's good for other people and culture, but it's also showing love to the offender and it's showing love for the offender because all of us need to learn, right? I, I, I mean, all of us, we need to learn that negative behavior brings negative consequence. Bad behavior brings bad consequence. Mm. God set up the moral universe to work this way. It's kind of life is actually kind of self-correcting over the course of time. And what laws are intended to do is to support an ethical morality to enable society to function. It's a way of helping people understand if you do this, there's a negative consequence. And we enforce that so that the person doesn't repeat the negative activity because that damages both themselves and other people. Um, the, the, the book of Proverbs says that the ear that hears the reproof of life will abide among the wise. Corrective action helps redirect people's lives into a healthier way. Mm. It's imperative that we do that. Romans 13 says the government bears a responsibility to punish evildoers which is an old school word that talks about those that violate the law, okay? If we don't bring punishment and evil goes unchecked, evil only grows and more damage is done. So love goes, I don't want that to happen. So love seeks justice. Justice loves the person who is the victim. It loves society as a whole. And it loves the individual enough to want to bring corrective action so that they might live a healthier life and not damage themselves or other people any further. For sure. For sure. And again, we're, as a church, we are heartbroken that this is happening. So It is. And and you know what? That That a... a a a boy a person does this breaks my heart because of of whatever dynamics they're experiencing in their lives that leads to this it is heartbreaking and tragic but doing nothing is not love so something must be done but love also while there is you know there's there's punishments that may come love also stays connected to the individual even while that loves offers hope and a fresh start even while punishments are being meted out Mm -hmm. for sure thank you thank you for 
tackling the topic those of are hard ones. and locker rooms yeah. and, and all that those kind are of hard stuff. Like, ones. This is not by any means an easy thing to to be able to talk about. So thank you for doing the research and doing that. Yeah. But uh let's continue. Let's hop back into us as a church, Connections Community okay. Church. Okay, okay. Oh, oh geez. Oh, there we go. It's Connections Community Church LGBTQIA plus friendly. Oh boy, my initial reaction is absolutely we are. Um when I just hear the word friendly, I mean I think of friendly means um open, um, accepting, uh, not hostile, uh, showing your favor, being on your side. <laughs> At least yeah. those, that's what I think when I think of friendly. So from that standpoint, we absolutely are friendly. Um, it's like a, we're on everybody's side. But again, this goes to the matter of acceptance versus approval. Um, uh, it, it, because here's what I, I think this is fair to say, Josh, that what um, LGBTQIA plus friendly has come to mean, at least in some circles, may, maybe even predominantly, is it's come to mean um, affirming of the sexual and gender practices mm. of the LGBTQIA. B2TQIA plus community. That's what it's come to mean. Um, we don't affirm those things. Um, rather, in our acceptance of people, we tell the truth about those things, just like we accept everyone that comes into connections and tell the whole of God's truth. Um, because we believe that actually being favorably disposed toward anybody is a matter of telling them the truth. Now, let me hasten to say, it's not like if we spot someone we suspect as being transgendered, we run up and we, we bring up the gender issue. No, that's not how it works. But on Sundays, over the course of time, we teach on most all matters that matter in our culture. We speak the mind of God to what matters to people, the things that we go through in our real life. And what is being friendly toward everyone is telling the truth of God mm. about all things. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing about, about, about the truth of God. Um, sometimes it, it affirms and encourages because um, um, because it affirms what is true and right and good about us as human beings. Other times it convicts and reproves us yeah. because there are things in all of us that are not in line with God's design. We bring the word of God because we love people mm. and we believe that this word from God, these words of God go, this is how you're designed and made. Yeah. This is beautiful here's what's broken and you're all broken and here's how that can be corrected so you can conform to my design and you can truly flourish as a other human being what 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 i believe is that the failure to speak the the mind of god and matters that matter to people is an unfriendly thing to do hmm. um okay th this is probably a lame analogy but it popped into my mind it's like if 
if I saw people driving down a road at night and they're all happy and everything, but then all of a sudden they see this sign that says bridge out ahead. Um, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, are you kidding me? And they're, they're upset or they're irritated because now their plan has been wrecked and they got to turn and go. What I go, you know what? I want those people to feel better. So I'm going to remove the bridge out sign because that bridge out sign is making them feel really bad. Mm. Am I being a friend? No. I don't, I don't think I am. No, that will because lead to a bad you can, car Because if you accident. continue on feeling good, but then all of a sudden you like fall off a broken bridge or whatever the case may be, what I've actually done is I've been most unfriendly and I've actually mm. contributed to the actual harm that has happened to you. When we fail to just teach what God says, it's like taking the bridge out sign. Mm. And, and it's, it's, it's like, because I want you to feel comfortable, I, I, I'm going to do nothing in, in, in you walking a path that according to God says actually harms you in the long run, wow. in the here and now and in the hereafter. I, I think the friendly thing to do is to accept everyone, to love everyone, but tell the truth to everyone so that we might find forgiveness, we might be set free, and we become more of what God designed us to be. Yeah. Yeah, spot on. Absolutely spot on. Let's move to talking about protecting our children. So we had some okay. parents that submitted this. Um, I, I obviously don't sit in that seat of protecting my own children because I don't have one. You've you've been a parent. You're a grandparent Five, now. five kids, you, seven you, grandkids. Yep, yeah, so, absolutely. So this is something that definitely has affected you in some way, shape, or form. And, yep, and indeed it has. To do so, so. Very much so. How do we protect our innocent children who are being targeted, um, indoctrinated by some teachers or family-friendly drag queen story hours and pornographic books in some school libraries, to name a few? Okay. Um, very fair question. Um, and, and, and the heart of every parent's instinct is to protect their kids, right? Yeah, to, for sure. For, to be sure. <clears throat> so that, that, that's a very good thing. <clears throat> um, I, I think it would be wise for us to recognize that there is a segment of our culture that is aggressively attempting to shape our children's view of sex and gender in a way that is contrary to what God's word says. Mm. So recognize that there is a battle. That's actually a very good thing. Um, and so I would hope that all parents would recognize there's a battle out there and I need, yeah. I need to be sober-minded about, about what it is that exists. So, so let, me, let me talk about protecting and then let me talk a little bit about preparing because that might also be a part of the overall oh, yeah, equation sure. maybe. Um, so when it's protecting. Um, uh, first, I would say that um, be aware. Be aware of um, your um, school's policies. Be aware of library policies. Um, uh, be, be aware of, of your children's teachers. And the best way to do that is to actually... Um, um, have have conversations and talk and be a friend and a partner and not come in like some flaming crusader um, accusing 
um, and and just being antagonistic from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, look, teachers have a hard job. That's a tough job. Oh, yeah. And they have requirements put on. It's a, it's a difficult thing. So develop a relationship. Be, yeah. be a friend. Look at them as partners. But also be aware of where they're coming from. It's okay to ask them these questions. But ask legit questions and just find out kind of where they're at. So, you know, be, be aware of, of mm -hmm. policies and yeah. procedures and where things are at and know the people involved and develop relationships and come at it like a partner. So I would say, first of all, do that. Um, and, then, and then I would say, um, um, if you want to protect your kid, um, know, I mean, know your, know your child. Mm -hmm. Every kid is unique. Yeah. I mean, I had five. None of them were exactly like the other. They were all very unique individuals. All kids are. So know them. Cultivate a relationship with them so you have access to their heart. Now, I just, see, I just sobered myself up with those words because, man, I dropped the ball so often like this as a parent. I was so... I had, like, blinders on when it came to the moral and ethical development of my children and sometimes in my ignorance and my hard-heartedness and fallenness, um, I failed to interact with my children consistently enough in a way that demonstrate that, that allow them to have access to, to their hearts so they could be real about who they are and what they were experiencing uh, because they knew I was safe. Hebrews 4. Wow. Hebrews 4 says, um, we do not have a high priest. It's talking about Jesus, by the way. It's using Jewish terms. It yep. can be a little funky to understand. Um, we don't have high priest. This is Jesus, right? Um, um, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted like we are yet without sin. And this is, and then it goes, and therefore let us approach the throne of grace boldly that we might find mercy and grace to help us in the time of need. I look at those and I go, whoa, what instructive verses for parents. If we want to actually develop a relationship with the kids where we can know their heart, first of all, we need to approach them as people that have our own struggles too, yeah. that don't always get it right. I can sympathize with your weaknesses. In my case, unlike Jesus, because yeah. I gave in to them, but Jesus can sympathize too because he right. faced all the pressure even though he didn't give in. So I, I fail too. And then be merciful and gracious mercy is the act of withholding what justice would demand yeah. and grace is giving what a person doesn't deserve but they really require yeah. and when we can show our kids mercy and grace and it comes from someone that recognizes that we don't always get it right too we become approachable and our kids will better open their hearts so we can know what's going on inside. What are you experiencing? What are you feeling? Um, and then we have the opportunity to talk about it. So I think that's critical if we actually want to protect our kids. And then keep them from environments. Look, you, you don't have to 
send them to the library if there's things that are available there, or you can go with them and not have them to go to certain sections. I mean, you can do things like that that can also also help. So I think those are ways to help protect our children. We need to make sure we're preparing them while we're protecting them, right? I think I mentioned, was it on the pre-show that how my wife, Sandy and I, we would like, you know, she's protect. I am prepared. And we would sometimes, yeah, you know, butt yeah. heads yes, because yeah. we were both trying to do good things, but you know what? We each overvalued one end and should have done a je- better job, but probably blending the two. I am referring to myself. Um, <laughs> we need to prepare our kids as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and preparing the relationship first of all, which is what we just talked about, but teach your kids about gender and sexuality. Teach them and teach them. I hate having to say this, Josh, but I think I do. Teach them before you think they're ready for the information. Because if you do not, somebody else already is. They are. They're getting it. I want to share something off that real fast. Please do. to, To really, to shed light on this. There are many studies and statistics that are coming out now that kids, especially young boys, mm-hmm. are seeing pornography for the first time in third grade. Third, yeah. Because it's that easy to stumble across. Yeah. When they're in their schools, other people can show it to them. And it's just where our culture and our media yeah. is starting to shift. So it, it really piggybacks off like this is something that we need to be talking about yes. sooner than we think and sooner than the comfortable stage oh, would be. For There's sure. never really like a comfortable stage, but like especially when you're talking with your kid that, that's young. I could only <laughs> I imagine. I'm not a parent, but I could only imagine how uncomfortable it is. that must be. It is. But and it's for many, it needs to happen. It's uber uncomfortable, yeah. right? Um, that that that's that's a true word. It's it's a painful word. It's a tragic word. Um, but it's a it's a true word. Um, and we always want to do it in age appropriate ways, obviously. Yeah, but we we've, sure. we've got to we've got to take the initiative. We got to be proactive on this sort of a thing, and we need to be the first ones to start shaping our children's gender yeah. and sexual um, identities. Um, so talk to them. We've included in our resource book, the Deconstruction Companion Booklet, um, which even if you don't have a copy, um, is available online at my3c.org. Um, so you can see a digital copy of everything. Yeah. We include, and the advantage of the digital copy is you can actually click the links and it'll take you right yep. to it. <laughs> so it's really got and, an and advantage you get that, to it. Go to the more tab and just hit deconstruction part two on go. the Thank more you, tab. Josh. And it will we'll literally pull up the book right there. Away. So that's how you get to it on the website. <clears throat> and we, we, we have cataloged good resources yeah. to give parents information on when, how, and what. From like ages one through three and then four through six. And it lays out for you so that you can, Mm. so the things that you're not sure what to do, you have people that have studied and are aware of culture and the Bible can help you to understand how to walk through it. Please, parents, please take advantage of those resources. And if they're giving you counsel to approach something and you go, I don't think they're ready. You probably need to. Yeah. I just give that word of encouragement. It's your call, but you, you probably need to. So please talk about it. And affirm the beauty of God's 
design. Mm. I think I think the church has failed substantially, not completely, but I think the church has failed substantially on this matter. And and here's how. Uh, and and I'm a part of the church in the West, so <laughs> this is on me too. Right. Um. We have reacted against certain things and then have simply limited ourselves largely to going, um, that's wrong and this is why. Okay? Maybe the better place to start is here's God's design and why it's good. (laughs) That's how the Bible opens. (laughs) Here's God's design and why it's good. And then here's what went wrong and how it's broken. But Jesus is all about fixing these things, right? Uh, Redemption. Thank you, Jesus. Redemption. So maybe we should start with God's good design. So teach your children that a good God has a good design and conforming to that is your best life. Conforming to that is how you flourish and affirm that in your child right from the beginning. Mm. Um, It's good. And then as your child develops, your child will probably, I say your child because they're like my child and all other children, um, they're going to have questions and they're going to be confused. Yeah. There's never been a non-confused adolescence outside of Jesus. And probably Adam and Eve because they were never adolescent, right? To be true about the question. Um, And they're going to be confused. In their confusion, don't, please, don't send signals that end up saying, it's okay to be something other than what God designed you to be. Mm. Instead, go, you know what? Adela- this, this time in life is really confusing. Yeah. Whatever reason, your body is changing, social pressure, everything else. It's confusing. It's hard. When I was an adolescent, same thing for me. You were, it's the same deal for every one of it. But I want to remind you of who you are. See, if I could say something that is very countercultural, probably, I think so. Okay, I'm just, I'm going to say it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the risk and say it, Josh, because I, I think it's true. <clears throat> you know your child better than your child knows themselves. Because you're an adult. You get things they don't get. You know things they don't know. If you're a Christian, hopefully you know the Bible certainly better than they do and what God's design is. So since you're the adult and you know things your child doesn't know, then affirm what is healthy and remind them what is good always. We do this in every other parenting, don't we? It's like um, if my... If, if my kids could eat whatever they wanted as a kid, <laughs> I can tell you what their diet would be. It would be Lucky Charms and Kool-Aid and Twinkies and whatever else, right? Because that's what they want. But as parents, we knew, even way back in the dark ages when I was a parent, that we knew that it's like, that's not good for you. That's unhealthy. So I know you want this, but you're 
body is designed to need this to function yeah. best on this. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to present you. I'm going to say no to this. I'm going to say yes to this because this is actually what is best for you. We do this in all years of life. Mm -hmm. If my kids, they would just stay up until they wanted to stay up. They would not go to school. They would not study subjects they didn't like. Yeah. But as an adult, I go, I know better. So I require something different of them, even if they don't like it. That's parenting. Yep. And when it comes to sex and gender, it isn't any different. Mm. Parents, you do know better. And so affirm what God says, yeah. what God designed, and help shepherd them through the, conf the confusion. Don't yeah. give in to their confusion. Yeah. And as you said, there's a ton of fantastic resources. Yes. So you can go to that book um, and look at those again. You go online at my3c.org. Um, go to the more tab, hit deconstruction. There, we, we have tried to provide as many resources throughout the series with all the topics that we're going to be talking about. It was, and that was hard. Yeah. There's a ton of resources. Oh, we sure. tried to pick yeah. ones that were biblical, yeah. uh, but also accessible, practical, yeah. um, it probably more went, work went into selecting resources than any other part of this I whole thing. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. So yeah, we, we really encourage you guys to use those resources in there. They are just as good as the rest of the content in the book. Um, so make sure that you guys are using those resources. All right, They're Dave. probably better than the rest of the content. In the book. They, they very <laughs> probably well are. I mean, you did write the rest <laughs> of the content. So those resources. <laughs> I'm, point, I'm pointing to people that really specialize yeah. it like big time in this one and sure. lean into them. There's so many great things that they have to offer. Yes, there are. They're fantastic. All right, Dave, you got two more questions. Okay. Two more. Um, this submission was a very, very long submission. Okay. So, so right. what we did in this is we kind of pulled out the questions. Um, and again, it's the same thing as last week. If, if we aren't getting exactly what you meant oh, by what yeah. you were asking, please, 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 please resubmit this question. Um, because the, our goal is we're trying to understand what was being asked and go, okay, I think this is what they were trying to ask and addressing that. So that's what we did with this question. Also, it was a very long submission and we can't fit it all on the screen at one time, which is why we have broken <laughs> it up into other questions. All right, Dave, let's but hop in. Oh, but, but kudos to the person for taking the time oh, to absolutely. put it down there. So that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's hop into the first one. <clears throat> It is difficult for me to believe that a person who is truly transgender will commit suicide when allowed to express mm. what they believe to be true about themselves. This is based on the assumption that we know better than they do about their bodies. It also ignores the very real societal pressures we experience to be normal. Yeah, okay. So, but I'm glad that that's included. Um, so... I'll kind of work my way through it as best I can in, in a brief time. Um, it, it's normal to assume that if a human being is allowed to pursue who they truly are, yeah. right? Their, their, their true or authentic self is the way it's often stated, um, that they're going to be happier. That, that's a natural assumption. I think we all probably have that, Okay. But I, I would ask a question. What if um, a person's um, belief about who they truly are is not 
an accurate belief. What if what a person believes they truly are is different than what God designed them to be? They might believe this is who I really am, but if they're really not, even though they believe it, then if they conform to what they believe, what they want, how they feel in, in the pursuit of their real or, or, or true self, yeah. they're not going to find the happiness. They're not going to find the satisfaction that they're yearning for, okay? Which every human being does yearn for. So um, I would say that... Um, Okay, let, let, let me mention this because I, I did come across some things. In Europe, for a longer period of time, um, transitioning from one gender to another has been um, accepted, affirmed, and celebrated. So in European culture, it is, it is, it is different than the United States, yeah. okay? Even though the United States is, is following the footsteps, they're, they're decades ahead of where the United States is. And here are some things that are really interesting to note that I think we have to factor in. Um, there was a, and a, a couple examples that I can call off the top of my head. There was a Finnish, as in from fin, Finland, a Finnish um, adolescent psychologist whose specialty was in gender identity. And she grew alarmed at the lack of positive outcomes from what was called gender affirming care. So she, she conducted a study yeah. that not only confirmed the lack of positive outcomes that people hoped for, but she also made this observation. She said 80% of people who have rapid onset gender dysphoria, uh, which pops up normally in adolescence, 80% um, of those people, if nothing is done, by their mid to late 20s, outgrow it. It's not an issue for them anymore. In the longest study in the world of, of people post-gender transitioning, it was conducted in Sweden. Again, very accepting, very approving, done this for a long time. 30-year-long study. Here's what their study found. Not conducted by Christians. This is, this is a medical scientific study that 10 years post-transitioning, those who transitioned had a 19 times higher suicide rate than their non-transition peers. They had a three times higher rate of all morbidity causes of, of early death. And they had a three times higher rate of inpatient psychiatric care. The studies revealed that rather than bringing happiness it actually diminished the happiness compared to the peer group for reasons like this, because there are studies that they've, they've done as well. Gender clinics across Europe are closing down and are, are adopting more conservative, less permanent approaches to the gender affirming care that they offer. In fact, the world's largest gender identity clinic, it's, it's known as Tavistock, in spring of this year, closed down. 
And it was closed down because independent studies saw a lack of positive outcomes from the gender-affirming care that it was given. In fact, they said it put people in jeopardy of decreased mental health. Mm -hmm. Now, these studies from Europe, different environment, but more entrenched in this than, than America is, simply reveal that if 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 we think something is true and we seek the true self but it's not who we really are we're not going to find the happiness that we really that we really want yeah. the the, per, the the person also going uh, says this is based on the assumption that we know better than they do about their bodies i'll refer back to what i said about parents yes we do and i, I know how how wow that's like oh my goodness that's so that's so countercultural yeah. We do only because we're adults and we understand more than children that are still developing do. That aside, could I suggest what I think is a fundamental Christian notion? God knows a heck of a lot more about all of our bodies than anybody does. Oh, because yeah. he, he designed them. Yeah. He created them. And he knows. And he created human beings, male and female. And God didn't do shoddy work as we talked about on Sunday during the message, that God didn't like somehow mismatch a soul and a body, the immaterial part of me with the material part of me, but rather God does beautiful work that our bodies indicate which of the two kinds of human beings God intended us to be, and that by being that gender, we will most flourish as a human being. This is because this is what God, who knows more about everything, including our bodies, says about what is good and healthy and is according to his design. Um, and, and societal pressures, oh man, there are always societal pressures. Yeah. Um, I would suggest that in American culture, what is becoming normal societal pressure is to have sex before you're married at earlier ages to be gender fluid and to engage in same-sex sexual practices there's the pressure to be that the labels put on people who differ in their perspective often appear to be intended to intimidate them by demeaning them so they will not say anything. What is celebrated are things that a Bible-believing Christian would believe violates what God's design is. A parent's job is to prepare a child to withstand societal pressure. We don't want our kids having sex. We don't want our kids doing drugs and drinking alcohol. Um, we don't want our kids breaking the law, yeah. right? So teaching our children to conform to a biblical ethic because it's good and beautiful and God's design and this is always the better life and to withstand pressure is part of a parent's job and responsibility and we pray routinely that God will help parents to be able to do exactly that thing. Yeah. So I'm feeling what this person is saying, and it's reflected on very common notions that I think we need to think carefully about from a Christian perspective. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah. <clears throat> um, talking about, I'm, we're 
assuming that they were talking about when they left on Sunday after the message okay, gotcha. with this question. Mm-hmm. I left feeling like my friends and family who identify as members of the LGBTQ community or any other marginalized group would not come to church with me. When we started the deconstruction series, I was excited that we were going to discuss hard topics. Mm. But this lesson slash lecture isn't difficult to swallow if you're quote unquote normal. Mm. If a person's identity is in alignment with the generally accepted rules of society, then all is well and you're preaching mm. to the choir even if you're saying words that are shocking, sex, gender, transgender, etc. Here's my question. How do we make sure everyone feels welcome? Yeah, boy, that's that. That's that's this is, this really is a lot. To, this is a lot. No, there, and there's a lot in here. Yeah, this is what it's like. It's the limitation of anonymous questions because yeah. I would love to be able to ask things and and be in dialogue and and all that kind of For stuff. Sure. But I really applaud this person's uh, bravery and sincerity and integrity in voicing. Uh, how this person feels and, and yeah. then asking the, the, the question at the end. So that is this, this outstanding. Um, so um, again, let me try to walk through this, Josh. Um, I'm, I'm glad you were excited about the series. I am so saddened that you're disappointed in it. I, I, I really am, but I, I understand why from what you're saying. I, I totally get, get that. Um, so, <clears throat> Uh, this isn't difficult to swallow if you're normal. A uh, couple of things. <sighs> yeah. So many things swirling through my head. For sure. Um, normal is broken. And that's everybody. I'm broken because of Jesus. I'm in the process of being restored. Not fully there, for sure. Everybody's broken. What we want to do is we want to be the kind of community that welcomes all broken people. It doesn't matter to us what your brokenness is because we're all broken. Yep. But what does it mean to be a welcoming community? I think this is a really important question to address. We want to be a welcoming community because it reflects the heart of God. Mm. But what, what, what is the welcoming heart of God like? Why is it that we want to be welcoming? And the answer to that question is because we want people to return to the Father and be made whole through Jesus. Yeah. When I think of welcoming, I think of the story of the prodigal son. Right, famous story of Jesus. Guy's got two sons. Right. One of them goes, forget you, dad. I want my parents to go my own way. They go their own way. They live great for a while. Bottom falls out. They've got nothing. Their life is miserable. They're troubled internally. And they think, probably better back at dad's place so they go home and the whole way they go time they go home this person is rehearsing okay i know i can't be your son anymore just let me be a servant because even servants have better off than i've got my life all this kind of stuff and of course the father sees the returning prodigal son a long way off runs which is very culturally inappropriate for a father to do in that day runs embraces him with this big old hug 
the son starts the speech, you're forgiven, welcome home. I want everybody to experience that, Josh. But in order for a prodigal to return home, a prodigal needs to know that a prodigal is what they are. Can't Uh, drop this microphone because it's on a stand, but that's good. I am the prodigal son. I am. You're looking at one. I, in effect, I didn't use the words, but this is the spirit of my heart. I basically was like, I'm going my own way, God. I can figure out my life. I can do my thing. And in the resulting troubled spirit, in the resulting conviction brought by the spirit of God through the word of God, that showed me where I had violated the commands of God, where I rebelled against the purpose of God, and therefore I was prodigal. That is what compelled me to come home to a father who I can't believe looks at me after what I'd done and says, welcome home. Yeah. I want everybody to experience that, Josh. I want every human being to experience true welcome from a father, but you don't get a welcome back into the family of God until you recognize that you are prodigal and you're humble yourself to return and say, you are God and you are right. And I want to live under your, under your roof. I want to live under your rules. I surrender to you. I believe in you. Be gracious to me. That's when you experience that wonder. I want to, I want to, I know I said this last week, But one of the purposes of God's law is to help point out where we are prodigal so that we can feel conviction and guilt and in that be driven to a Jesus that goes, I came so that I could remedy that for you and you could be forgiven and born again and reconciled and the process of restoration begin and all that beautiful stuff that can happen, that can happen, which happens only in Jesus And it only happens in Jesus when we recognize the prodigal nature of our hearts. And as a prodigal, we return and recognize what we are. And we we believe on Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And all that begins to happen. I want to welcome the transgendered community like any other community. I want to love them. I want to bestow dignity and respect on them because they are image bearers of the Most High God and they matter infinitely to God. And because I want them to experience the ultimate welcome from God, I am not only going to embrace them as friends, I'm going to share with them the truth so that God can use it to affect salvation and redemption and restoration and the healing of their hearts. That is, I think, how we make sure everyone feels welcome at Connections. We welcome you as you are, for who you are, but here is God's beautiful design for your life, and we want you to experience it. We who are in the process want you to be engaged in the process too. Yeah, That was a lot of stuff. I have a lot more that I could say, but I hope that at least approaches the spirit of what I, I believe is 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 being exhibited through these yeah. wonderful and courageous statements and questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, to everybody that submitted a question, thank you so much. 
uh, for doing that. This show, this Q&A, that we do literally would not be possible if you guys didn't submit questions. (laughs) Um, I just want to remind you, I know we say this on our post show. I know that we say it on stage and our wrap up. I know that we say it here on the Q&A, but it's so important. We are not afraid of your questions. We want you to ask your questions, and we will do our absolute best putting in the research and the time and and prayer to be able to answer these questions that you guys have. We are not afraid of these questions. And you can submit those questions at my3c.org, and you can just write at the top, right at the bar, it says submit a question. You can can submit a question on there, even if it's from one of our past weeks, and you're like, you know what, I heard you explain it, I have another question based off of it, or you're listening to this, and you're like, I have another question based off of what Dave said here. Go ahead and go and ask that. We will address them in future weeks. We plan to keep doing these as long as there's questions. Um, well, then that so, means we'll be doing it as long as we're alive, Josh. Exactly. So if you ever have a question, please go on there and ask a question. And if for some reason you listen to this whole thing, you're like, hey, my question, I know I submitted one before Wednesday at 7 a.m. and it wasn't on there. Um, just let us know. You can submit that question again. Sometimes there's technical difficulties and we might not get them. Um, so if that was you and you're like, my question was on there, just submit it again. We apologize for that. Um, so, but again, thank you so much for doing that, Dave. Thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure. And And again, thanks for all the questions. They were really wonderful. And and talking about all this and, and doing all the research and approaching this with such a place of compassion. So everyone, uh, oh, actually, one more thank you. Steve's over there. You guys can't see him. Steve's a huge help with this. I mean, he, he sits over there. I, actually, I say he's a huge help. Like, he's not the one that runs all exactly. of it. Exactly. Dave and I just sit here talking. He's the man behind he, the he's curtain. He's the one that's doing all of this. So, uh, Steve, thank you so much um, for all that you do back over there. Um, but you guys have a fantastic week, and we can't wait to see you guys again on Sunday. Look forward to it.